You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Indeed it is. And in a week that has a surprising amount of news, and actually none of it about WWDC, surprise, surprise, I'm joined by Alistair Jenks, uh, all the way from Wellington in New Zealand, which is literally the other side of the world from me, and he is 11 hours into my future on a Sunday morning, whilst I sit here on a Saturday evening. <laughs> Hello, Alistair. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, I don't have the glass of wine at 8.25 in the morning. It's not the done thing. <laughs> no, probably no, not quite over the yard arm yet, is it? At that, uh... <laughs> not, not quite. Not quite. And in, in terms of the opposite side of the world, I think the direct opposite here is somewhere outside Madrid. So it's pretty pretty close to being the opposite. Yeah, well, I think it's probably about as far away, as far, you know, as close to the opposite side of the world as I'm going to uh, find a guest. <laughs> Put it that way. Very likely, very likely. I think to be the precise, uh, you know, antipodes, I suspect it would. I'd be have to find some tiny little island. <laughs> I think you'd need a boat, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. Anyway, uh, well, welcome to the show, Alistair. And uh, would you like to tell the listeners, uh, you know, what you do? What I do? Ah, oh, too many things. Far too many things. I must. I'm. I think I have it in my Twitter bio at the moment. I'm a serial tinkerer, which means I start a lot of things. Um, but at the moment, my my bent is uh, getting all my numerous, far too many websites uh, moved over to another host yet again. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I can't leave well enough alone. Well, I, I mean, I've been using shared hosts for years, you know, like uh, HostGator is my most recent one, and I've had three or four before that. And then for a while, I toyed with Squarespace, and I was like, ah, yes, but if I've got 10 sites, then Squarespace gets really expensive because you can only run one site per subscription and so I ended up trying it out and I put my main sort of web presence on Squarespace and then I started bolting stuff in so I had one site with a whole lot of random sections in it and it's Squarespace is great if you just want to get in and throw some content in although it has had its issues I have Um, to say that um and this is you know this is not a, a slag um when i joined the podcast uh and carl went back to doing uh, the mac and forth show um this you know the essential apple site was on squarespace and i loathed it i absolutely hated their it, interface it takes getting used to i, w- I would admit i must um, admit by the time um and you know mark and i had decided where we were going to move it to um, I'd kind of got used to Squarespace, but I never really liked it. It's it's a weird. Um, I guess if you there are things to like about it. I guess it's it you know it has that very simple drag drop push things around kind of. Oh, you say you say simple, but sometimes it isn't. No, like, well, exactly. I want that, it's not. I want to not... drag that picture over to the side there. Yeah. And you've got to drag it to just the right spot. Well, Otherwise, what I would you find is you, you try and there. drag something to that. That's the idea, isn't it? You try and drag something to where you thought, I'll just put that over there. 
and then it splits the whole page into dual co- twin columns. No, I don't want two columns. I just want to put the yeah. picture over there. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and but I, there and were I, other things about it that are not. And you know, some people like it, and it's great. I don't have a problem with it. If you like it, it's brilliant. I found it difficult to get on with. So we went I got, to a I say, I got, I got used to it. Um, but I found that I was just bumping up when I, cause I always have this vision in my head of what I want. Yeah. And you know, the, the dragging thing at one point I, I thought, well, look, I've got this down below and I just want to replicate it up above here. I just want it to look the same. So, you know, I had a, a list of, um, icons with, with text next to them and I was adding a new one and I wanted it at the top and I couldn't get it to look the same. And it's like, I know I've done it. It's it's right there. And what <laughs> I figured out was you couldn't drag, say, I forget which way around it was, but you couldn't drag the icon into place. You had to put the icon there and then drag the text into place. And it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. Why is there an order for oh, dragging? No, no, well, I guess because, you know, it, it's all actually really quite clever, isn't it? Because the very fact that you can do oh, what appears is. to be drag and drop, which underneath is manipulating HTML on the fly, is <laughs> actually yeah, really but, quite but, clever. But there you go. It's, it's suffering from the, the Microsoft syndrome, or what I call the Microsoft syndrome. If you're going to be setting out to be helpful to make everything really, you know, super straightforward yeah. and anybody can do it, you better have you got your work cut out for you because you better you, make sure no it is well. Damn, you have to make sure it is damn well idiot proof, don't you? You've got to be so close to idiot proof, or you're just going to annoy people. Oh, uh, which is like, as one of my classic, uh, you know, one of my favourite phrases is, "You can try as hard as you like to make something idiot proof. Nature just builds better idiots." Yeah, I've I've got a corollary to that, which is uh, life will be worth living when Microsoft stops trying to be helpful. <laughs> or uh, what was the one I saw the other day? Um, walking on water and leading a software project are both easy when it's frozen. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> That's really good. And I told that to one of my customers who's uh, uh, retired you know, a retired guy, uh, but he, uh, after he'd been in the Navy, he went into, uh, I believe he worked in banking, um, you know, setting up mainframes and things. Uh, we're talking probably in the 70s, but um, so he's, he's very appreciative of things like that. And he said, exactly, yeah, yeah, once the, once the specifications are frozen, we're laughing, but they never are. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Ah, right. Oh, yeah. well, so I know... I've gone to the oppos- opposite extreme at the moment, I should add, that I'm not on the easy drag and drop Squarespace. I've gone to the opposite end of the spectrum. I am on DigitalOcean with a, a virtual private server, so I do everything from the just about from the metal up. Oh, right. Well, that's why yeah, it's taking that's, me a um... while. <laughs> that's why it's taking a while. I must admit, we um, we use a WordPress site. You know, we have a, have a reasonable... Um, well, actually, I think it's a very nice template now, and um, it took us a long time to find a decent template, I have to admit, but it, it works nicely, and I, I quite like WordPress, and um, it supports it supports Markdown, or mostly supports Markdown, to be honest. Um, I have a brilliant tool that I got called Markdown for Mac, which is a, a, like a, it's a Markdown editor. I've mentioned it before on the show, but it's a two-pane editor. So you write your markdown in uh, in the edit pane, and you can see uh, in the uh, in the other pane. No, but either way round, obviously you can see uh, a WYSIWYG version of what your um, 
what your markdown will produce. And uh, I found that really helpful. And at the end, um, you can either take the markdown if your WordPress supports markdown. Um, ours does, but occasionally it throws weird wobblers. So I found it easier just to export the stuff to HTML and then paste that straight into the paste into the, yeah. into the site that way. But um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I've I've used WordPress for years as well. And in fact, some of my sites that I've taken off of Squarespace have gone back onto WordPress. Uh, in fact, most of them. But um, yeah, the, the the whole markdown thing, I, I, it just doesn't gel with me. I understand it. I, I get where it's heading, but outputting HTML, nothing inputs HTML anymore. I know you can in WordPress. You can switch to the HTML view, but the whole point of a CMS is not to be doing that. The whole point of a CMS is just to use the functionality within it. Yeah. So it, it just seems to sort of, there's no good direction to throw it. So my view is I always use the browser on the Mac and I just use the WYSIWYG editor and WordPress at the end. Well, so it's not uh, that hard. No, no, it's not. But uh, for me, of course, the, as, as you uh, are looking at my show notes, what I do is I over the week I collate these fairly copious show notes, which sometimes we use and sometimes get thrown right out the window. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I found it easy to write those basically in Markdown because it's so long since I wrote raw HTML, I can't be asked. But, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't write raw HTML, I'd just write plain text. Well, yeah. But, Markdown um, is pretty it, close to anyway. That is true. Um, I, I used to... Um, I used to write it in in raw text, and then, like you say, put it into into the WordPress editor, and then style it. But um, and now I've got these sort of fairly copious show notes, which get repeated forward. Um, I just find like Markdown works for me. I can write Markdown quite quickly. Obviously, it's not difficult to write Markdown. I can, I can see that the translation of links would be helpful, but yeah. that's the one thing that I I just well one of two things that just does my head in about Markdown. Who chose square bracket, round bracket? I mean, I can say that now because I'm looking at your show notes, but there's well, no logical um, basis for that. I'm assuming that Mr. Gruber cho- chose that as Mark. Yeah, well, I, I know, but I say who, why? It's well, it's like the use of um, hash marks for headings, fine. Yeah. And if you want a numbered list, you use numbers. Why wouldn't you use hashes? Because hash is the number symbol. It's hmm. like, and why do you have to number your numbered lists manually? That's the whole point of having a numbered list is that it self numbers. And there's just, um, there's just weird things like this, which do don't you, work for me. To, I don't know. I don't know if you have to self number. I don't ever use numbered list. Um, yeah. You, it's, it's, I mean, you put an asterisk for, for a bulleted list and you put one, two, three, four down the side for a numbered list. And it's like, doesn't that, I haven't actually tried it, doesn't that mean you have to renumber it manually yourself, which is the whole point of using a markup language? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not deep. I'm not a coder and I'm not deep enough into it. I, I can see why John Gruber came up with Markdown. I can see why people have, you know, modified it in certain ways. And I can, it's handy, put it that way. The, the level yeah. of translating my show notes onto the web that I require then yeah. uh, Markdown saves me a lot of time. But yeah, plus, of course, there's the fact that like I, I actually, these show notes have to go three places, strictly speaking. They have to go into Pinecast uh, for so that when they come out in Overcast or whatever, you get the get the proper show notes. And uh, that supports Markdown. So that means if I write in Markdown, I copy and paste it pretty much straight into Pinecast. I can copy and paste it pretty much straight into the Essential Apple. And it, we also put it on the MyMac uh, site, of course. And I don't think Tim has enabled Markdown in their WordPress 
implementation. But that means I, that's that's fine because I can just d- export to HTML and then paste into my Mac, and that saves me. Because when I first started doing this, it would take me hours to post in all three places. You know, I'd yeah, I guess to, it's because it's getting used to a workflow, really, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, I I don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure that Markdown has millions of flaws, especially if you're a serious coder. But for a numpty like me, it's uh, <laughs> it can save me a lot of time. Anyway, there we go. We've kind of wandered off the point as usual. <laughs> um, right. Well, I I will just mention Alistair, because you're a big um, you're an aviation photography buff, aren't you? That's one of your hobbies, amongst other things, obviously. But um... oh, amongst many things, yes. Um, my father was in the in the Royal New Zealand Air Force, so it was kind of a given. Um, that and people say, oh, you know, are you a pilot? And it's like, well, no, that's actually quite expensive, and it does require you know skills and attention and whatnot. Which I'm not saying I couldn't do, but it just sort of never crossed my mind as something that I desperately wanted to do. Whereas I know a lot of people just that's what they set out to do in life. In fact, I was at school with a chap, um, uh, like at age ten or eleven. He said, "I want to be a pilot," and by God, he did. <laughs> he he set forth and and did all the all of his secondary schooling and university and and training and everything, you know, start to finish, and he became an airline pilot because that's oh, what he wanted okay. to do. An interesting here's an interesting uh, fact then for you. I went to uh, I went to school with a guy, uh, you know, at the end of secondary school, uh, who uh, he he came from. Um, we have a we had Watsham Air Station very near to where I lived as a child, um, which was a RAF fighter station. Um, so he, he came from an RAF family and he was at school with me. Now, uh, he never specifically said what he wanted to do after he left school. He said he wanted to go into the RAF, but uh, he became a, eventually he became a Red Arrows pilot. Oh. <laughs> So, yeah, that's the pinnacle. That's uh, pretty much as high as you're going to go in it. That's brain brain yeah. surgery of piloting. There we go. Um, and that's not a claim to fame because you know me and him weren't exactly mates. I'm, I'm I knew him, um, and he went on to become a pilot. There we go. Well, I used to work with a guy whose uncle was a Red Arrow. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> See, there we go. That's our claim yeah. to fame. We're, no, I, I've not got into into flying, you know, flying the aircraft themselves. I just like gawping at them and and taking photographs is a good way to. Yeah, well, why not? Gawp at yeah. them. Although sometimes you, I go to an air show and I spend so long behind the camera, I don't actually see the show. But yeah, that's uh, also just like one of those things. But I've got uh, thousands now of photos up online uh, on Flickr going okay. back. Oh, I don't know how many years now. That well, um, I mean, I have had a look at your um, ZK ARJ. Uh, site, which of course um, has some of your photography on. Um, yeah, that's sort of a, a front for my Flickr account, really. Is it right? So, I mean, if you want to put the Flickr account link in the in the show notes, we'll do that. If you, you know, see if we can drive you some more traffic, Alistair. <laughs> people to look, people to look at your aeroplane photographs. And by the way, um, you know, I'm not even an aeroplane buff, but they are nice photographs. You obviously, you know, you've obviously spent a lot of time mastering that uh, that technique. Fifty percent mastery and fifty percent culling out the crap. Well, there you go. That's uh, that, in that all is the secret. You know, ninety nine percent perspiration, one percent inspiration. Inspiration. Well, I went out to the local airport the other day, um, which I want to do, and there wasn't anything particularly interesting showed up. But I took two hundred and forty three photos, and I published, I think, forty seven of them. Well, and 
Yeah, but that's the joy. That is the joy of digital photography, isn't it? Yes. You can My record a, in, you know, in one day is about 900, I think. And I mean, I did tell the story uh, a few shows ago about my trip to Cornwall, where I took three digital cameras, I think, and came back with eight photographs. <laughs> yes, I remember. That. And my friend, you know, my friend had one digital camera and went home with eight gigabytes of bloody photographs on SD cards. There we go. And that was when eight gigabytes work. of photographs was a lot of photographs. You could do the the Billy Connolly trick on one of his TV shows. I think it was his World Tour of Australia TV show. He was talking about how when he first became successful and he started touring the world, he'd, he'd take photographs of, of all the exotic places that he'd been and send them home. Yeah. But for example, in Sydney, he was underneath the, the Sydney Harbour Bridge and he, he took a photo of the corner of one of the stones in the bridge support and sent that back saying, hey, look, Sydney, Sydney Harbour Bridge. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he'd go to all these world famous landmarks and take a photo of like one little corner of one tiny piece of it and send it at home. Yeah, why not? Eh? There we go. Look at this. This is a you know this is a stanchion bolt of the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Apparently, he wasn't very popular for it. <laughs> oh dear. There we go. Then again. That's Billy Connolly, and he's the only man who could go to the North Pole and decide that the best thing to do is strip naked and dance around his tent. <laughs> <laughs> he's also done it in deserts yes that is true yeah i think he just likes getting his kit off you know why not whatever whatever floats your boat there we go um okay well perhaps we shall move on there's a surprising amount of news this week um after last week's somewhat dearth i i thought it might be a slow news week as we're leading up to wwdc or it would be nothing but to see of flaming rumors um, but surprisingly, there's almost no rumours, is there, Alistair? There's nothing really of any comment. Well, not and that I've long, come across. Long may that last. Well, yeah, definitely. Sick of, sick of rumours leading up to shows. That I was um, responded to Zach Saichi on Twitter this morning saying, he said oh, he's predicting surprises for WWDC. And I said, I hope you're right, because I'm just growing tired of thinking I know what's coming. Yeah. I want to be surprised again. I enjoy that part of it. Well, don't we all? Um, I know this is not the, you know, this is not the hardware event, so I guess maybe it's easier for Apple to keep that under wraps, what's, what's coming. I mean, but this time, apparently, you know, nobody has any idea what the name of the next Mac OS is. Nobody seems to know anything about um, iOS uh, 12. Uh, you know, basically, there's nothing going on. And what few rumours I have seen leaked out are so... Really, I could have scratched that out on the back of one of my fag packets. You know, that's not a rumour. That's just a taking a calculated gamble on what's likely to happen. So, yeah. Um, no, I'm glad. Like you, hooray! That's absolutely fantastic. Let's let in the long may it continue. I don't want um, you know, I don't want to know up front really. Um, I know the other problem you get is yeah, when it when we come to hardware, get supply chain. But the only thing I've seen is some feeble photograph that showed allegedly some parts of an iPhone. And it was like, that could be anything. That could really be anything at all. So, um, well, shall we start with the biggest story of all, Alistair? Let's start with a really big story, <laughs> shall we? Hey, yeah. Apple is um, offering a... So, so big, it's, it needs yes, to be it's bigger. A, un, yes, it's un, unbelievable. Apple is offering a free month of iCloud storage... Uh, when you first upgrade from the, 
you know, uh, free five gigabytes. Um, to quote, uh, to quote uh, Gaz when I appeared on his show last week, do I care? No. I mean, really, what they're saying is when you filled up your five gigabytes of free space, the message that used to come up saying you, you know, you filled the space and you could upgrade to a 50 gigabyte storage for, uh, well, here in the, you know, 99 cents US or 79p uh, UK or probably uh, out there about $1.25 New Zealand, whatever it is. Something like that, yeah. Um, a month. It will now, uh, you know, it will now say you can upgrade and the first month is free and then it's just so much per month thereafter. Uh, oh, I, I, I'm so overcome. I'm so overcome <laughs> with the generosity of it, Alistair. It's like, really? I mean, can we not just, the... can they not just give us a half decent amount of storage with our phone? I mean, I, I don't suffer too much because the only thing I really back up to my iCloud is my, is my phone. And I don't put a lot of music on my phone. I'm not one for t- photography, as the story about eight photographs from a holiday with three cameras might attest. <laughs> um, so I don't really have too much problem. But then again, I only really have a few things in iCloud, you know, Drive and my iPhone. Now, my wife has, you know, her iPhone, her iPad, uh, pictures and stuff that she likes to save as people send them to her from Facebook and whatnot. She's always clicking, put in my photo reel, put in my photo reel. Unsurprisingly, I think one of the one of the children's phones might be attached to her account, so that also backs up into her iCloud. Guess what? She has to pay, well, she pays the 79p a month or something, I know, but um, to have a 50 gigabyte storage. But why? Why? Oh, why yeah. can we not I mean, have this, this... a half-decent amount of storage, at least enough to back up one device properly? Well, you say that, and I've heard a lot of people say that. I just checked. I've got a 64-gig iPhone 8, and the backup um, figure in the settings shows 4.1 gigabytes. Now, there's a, there's a big, strong caveat to that, is that I use Apple Music with the iCloud Music Library, and I use iCloud Photos. Yeah, so it it's, it's not backing those up. It's, those are they're, they're in other parts of the cloud. But for a basic use of a phone where people aren't taking, you know, thousands of photographs and whatnot, um, five gig, it, it's still not enough. I mean, let's be honest, if I've got 4.1 in there with all that other stuff out of the mix, it needs to be bigger. But a 64 gig phone doesn't need 64 gig of space to back no. up. No, no, we don't. No, we, but, know, we know that because Apple, for example, they don't count. They don't count your photo reel, do they? They give you a thousand photographs or something for free. If you use that that method of, you, you know, can that use that one. Or if you use yeah. the Apple Photo Library, that basically doesn't count any of your photographs at all. Um, if you use, you know, if you use Apple Music, there's a whole load of caveats. I know, but and and we know that you don't need 64 gig for a 64 gig phone. And even if you know who fills their phone right up, nobody fills their phone right up ever. Wow, well, some who do, but they'll be the ones who be paying anyway. So, well, you know, if you if you if you feel if you buy a sixty four gig phone, in my opinion, or an iPad or whatever, and you manage to literally jam it full to the point that when you try and do download, it says you have to dump some other stuff before you can download this new app. You should have bought a bigger storage yeah. device. I mean, I had my I had my one hundred and twenty eight gig uh, iPhone six plus for three years. 
And because I had the 128 gig model, I just didn't think about the storage at all, ever. It was just like, oh, I'm going to download this thing. I'm going to save this thing. Well, I, just, I just don't care. I just didn't really didn't give it any lip service whatsoever. And in three years, I did pass by the 64 gig figure. So I did get it more than half full. Yeah. So when I upgraded to my iPhone 8, it was like, yeah, 64 gigs fine. Because three years of just not caring three, three didn't years fill it up not in, in my usage yeah. pattern. I mean, I have checked mine. Um, I have a 64 gigabyte. Yes, it is. A, it's a 64 gigabyte um, iPhone 7. Um, and I don't think I've crossed 32. Maybe there's a law there that says you you sort of only ever use half of what you've got. <laughs> well, the, the trouble the trouble was, of course, that I before that I had the six, and I had is it thirty two. Did you have thirty two? I can't remember now. Yeah, thirty two was the low end, I think. Because I, I I got a deal when I got my six. I got a deal where I think the standard it was it, there was no thirty twos, was it? it, it sorry. Or was it 16, 64, and 128 or something weird yes, like that? Yes, they'd skipped over the 32. Yeah. That's right. So I, I didn't want a 16 gig iPhone. No, it's too small. It was too small. Um, So I wanted to get a 64 gig iPhone, but I didn't really want to pay the money Apple were asking. Now, as it happened, <laughs> because, they, you know, they done half, you know, let's face it, they twist the knife. Um, I got a deal. My carrier... Uh, you know, my, my my phone supplier offered me a deal saying if you take a refurbished model, i.e., uh, you know, returned as um, returned as dead on arrival, we will we will give you um, the the higher capacity without charging you the premium if you're prepared to take a, Ooh, nice. a refurb. So I said, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, that kind of bit me on the bum a bit because the first one they sent me wasn't wasn't a sixty four, and then I sent it back and said, you promised me a sixty four if I took a refurbished model, and you've sent me a gold one and i wanted a black you know apart from that apart from that like so like they went well what's the matter i said well you promised me a 64 and you promised me a black one and they said well i can't on refurb i can't promise i said well i'd live with it being gold all right because i can put a case on it but i'm not i'm not accepting a refurb and also accepting it being gold and 16 gig you gotta give me something so they took it away and then they sent me a, a 64 gig one which was still gold as it happened. And I thought, all right, well, that's, that's all right. They've sent me a 64 gig one and it's gold. So um, I installed all my stuff in it and then it promptly crashed and burned and would flash weird <laughs> colours at me and do nothing and not work. So I had to ring them up again and go, look, this one you've sent me is broken. thought this was a refurb. It's busty. So they went, oh, terribly sorry. So then they were like, what can we do? I said, I want a 64 gig and I want it black. Thank you very much. And the, because they managed to balls it up twice, they were like, I don't care if we have to send, go and get one out of the store and not refurb. We will make sure you get a 64 black. But anyway. That's a whole, you know, never mind that, uh, wander off into reminiscence. Uh, so when I came time to change to the um, to the iPhone 7, they changed it then. It was 32 or 128. Yeah, they seem to be moving it around a bit, don't they? Because Well, there's a the... trick there, isn't there? There's a trick, you see, because what they're doing is saying, you're on a 64. <laughs> yeah, trying to push you up. You have to, you know, you think, well, I can't go back down to 32. Oh, well, maybe, I'm on, maybe I'm on 120. I don't know now. I don't know because I never look. Anyway, but then the iPhone 8, the bottom end was 64. Yeah. It's the first time I've ever bought the bottom end. Well, actually, the, I think my 3G was the bottom end. But... Well, yeah, well, I'm going to say I had an iPhone 1, an iPhone 3, an iPhone 3G. And then after that, I had 4, the 5, the 6. Anyway. But yeah, I mean, I think it's great now that the the cheapest of the new generations 
seeing as there's two this time around. Um, yeah, it's more than is more than enough. I mean, I mean, an iPhone eight sixty four gig is an awesome machine. Sixty four so, is enough. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe mine's a hundred. I don't know. Mine's a seven. I can't remember what it went to. Anyway, maybe it was. It was sixty four. Anyway, it, it doesn't matter. But yes, that that the way that they keep missing out the what you think is the middle step is a clever trick because I had a sixty four gig iPhone and I couldn't go down to a thirty two. Yeah. Actually, so I probably could, but my phone, but my phone probably would have been pretty full. So maybe, and maybe mine now, now I'm on a, maybe I'm on 128, and I haven't crossed 64. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. All of which doesn't bode well with five gig of free storage. No, it doesn't, does it? You know, luckily, and, uh, I, yeah. man, I have to say, yeah, you know, mine still fits in, but I'm probably a, a pretty minority case because. You know, I don't take many pictures or videos. I don't really, you know, I don't engage with Apple Music. I've got a few gig of music, um, you know, my own ripped music that I've got on my phone. And that's about it. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the 50 gig tier, should they give 50 gig free? That, that kind of seems a little high, but if, at least go to 20. At least people then 16? would say, well, you're making an effort. 16 well, yeah, would do, wouldn't it? Round, round numbers and decimal rather than binary but well yeah, yeah. you know but 25 something 16, like that something five come on because my wife's phone um i mean she doesn't use a whole lot of services or anything like that um you know it's mostly just facebook and whatsapp and those kinds of things and she was pushing on the five gig barrier just due to the photos that she was taking yeah exactly now, for, now fortunately they've got the family plan now so i mean i i was paying for 200 gig from a while back when they last lowered the price i think um and i don't use anywhere near the 200 but i knew that i was going to go over the 50 so i'm sort of i think i'm floating around, um i think i just looked at it, it was about 80 gigs so it's like definitely over 50 but no we're near, yeah, 200. No, we're near 200 so because now you're allowed to time, share it aren't you yeah so when she hit the boundary again so what do i do about this i said look hang on tap 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 there you go and uh she's now got well i suppose the 80 includes hers actually um looking at that figure so you know, my my use is probably down 70 something yeah, yeah. well but um yeah yeah and then you know i 16 20 just something just and a, a free 79p <laughs> yeah it, 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 i was trying to think before what's the the term um in patent law where it's they say well it's kind of obvious there's a proper term for it oh, um, prior art Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, oh, we're going to give you a month free of this cheap storage rate, uh, cheap storage plan. Yeah, prior art. It's like, it's like, okay, we would expect you to do that. I mean, you should have been doing it all along. You weren't, oh, we'll let you off, but, you know, no big deal. You know, good that you're doing it now. Carry on. Now, fix the problem. The problem is the five gig. Yeah, the problem is five gig. Come on. Realistically, I I don't think, you know, most people don't actually begrudge paying, you know, 79p, oh. 99 cents, $1.25 US, uh, you know, NZ, whatever. They don't. But God's sake, you know, the trouble is, for me, I've got three kids. They've all got iPhones. And kids being kids, you know, they download stuff. <laughs> there was a pause before that yes, word. Yes, I was. Uh, you know, I have to restrain myself. Clean, clean show, family show. They download a lot of stuff. My boy can fill up his phone and or any iPad within reach with downloaded games and YouTube videos and stuff in minutes. Honestly, um, you know, really, you know, I don't want to have to pay, even if it's only seventy nine p per child. 
Well, it's perception, isn't it? It's just, you know, really. I, Could I, you just I mean, give us enough that an average person would not need to worry about paying that? It's only a 79p. I know it's nothing. It's piddling, but it's, it's just, it just feels a little, it feels cheap and nickel and diming, doesn't it? Does, well, does it? Here, here's a controversial thought. I think it would actually be better if they gave you nothing for free than five gig for free. Because five gig just pe- appears like they're trying to claim yes, credit that's for, for, bait, for nothing. <laughs> Almost feels like switching bait, yeah. Although, yeah. Like, as I don't need to pay for mine, fine. I, but yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from. It's almost like um, I, I've had two sort of, uh, I've had two kind of bosses in the, the last probably thirty years. Uh, one of me, one of them said to me, when it comes to work, never give anything away for free. Okay, whatever, you know, any job you do, even if you, you know, if it's for charity, whatever, you can tell them you're going to subsidize it, you're going to give them a sponsorship, you know, but just charge them a pound or five pounds or something, right? Nothing is free. Another boss said to me, never give work out for cheap. It's either, you know, full price or it's gratis. Um, <laughs> that's contradictory advice. Don't get me wrong. But I actually I could see both points of view. They're both in in many ways. They're both right. Um, but similarly, they're both wrong. And but they are also both wrong. To, yes, but stick to uh, one set of rules. You, but um, I I you know yes I guess it depends on your world view. Uh, but the yes the five gig falls like right between the two stools, doesn't it? It's it's neither one nor the other. If you know yeah. what I mean, it's neither yeah. you know. I don't know. It just it just feels cheap and nasty. It's like if you said sixteen, right? I'd take I'd settle for sixteen. Give me sixteen gig of storage for free, and I would have absolutely no beef with the rest of the deal. I really wouldn't. Even if they kept the bloody upgrades the same, so that you didn't you know you didn't go up forty five gig to fifty. But I don't know. Why don't they? If you're gonna do phones in. You know, in binary numbers, can we? Why is the storage not in binary? Why is it not sixty-four and two five six? I don't know. Because storage has typically been in decimal for many, many years. <laughs> Small fact, but unimportant. Yes, indeed, it has. There, yeah, we're like, let's move on because we're spending ages talking about. <laughs> Probably as not. you predicted, we would. As I predicted in the pre-show, we'll end up rattling on about the most important story of the week. Rages. Uh, right, okay. Um, well, would you like to pick one, Alistair? You pick one out, because there's a lot in here, and we're never going to cover all of them, I'll be honest. We're not. Well, I mean, there are others in there that are of, of equal billing to the one we just covered, I think, like <laughs> sending, sending display engineers to a trade conference on displays. Uh, yes, Thank you, well, and, uh, and that's that one think, done. I think we can, um, I think we'll, let's let's just describe that one as, uh, uh her bleeding obvious. Yes. No, uh, no bleep, Sherlock. <laughs> yes, that's the one. Uh, Where is that? Yes, Apple. Apple have apparently sent a lot of their display engineers to Display World uh, trade show <laughs> to look at display technology that's uh, up and coming. Really? Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> Sherlock, indeed. Okay. Uh, well, well, we cross that one out then, can't we? I'll like, put well, straight for it if, right if now. I was, if I was to pick a, the more interesting one, which which I hadn't actually. Uh, picked up on myself, but you mentioned in the pre-show was the autonomous Apple's autonomous vehicle project. Ah, yes. Now, yeah. Now, 
I, as I said in the pre-show, I was talking to uh, to Gaz about this, and I can't remember if it was when Gaz on came on this show or I went on Gaz's show. I, I, I can't remember. But anyway, the um this one is Apple's autonomous vehicle project may be closer to fruition than it appears. This is from Mac Daily News. Now, um, uh, anybody who's not familiar with Mac Daily News, um, it's a rabidly Apple <laughs> pro Apple site. Okay, so um. You have to kind of take uh, the MDN uh, editorial for what it is, which is rabidly pro-Apple and everybody else is an idiot. Um, however, he has linked to this this story. Um, and what caught my eye in this was not really the fact that, um, as he says, the, the car itself is not likely to appear as a product in Apple's portfolio, but it's becoming evident um the automotive technology is something that Apple will reveal in the sent, uh, in the future. Um, what is interesting about this comment, as uh, as they say, it is said by TechCrunch, in order to conduct driverless testing, companies must have previously tested their vehicles in controlled conditions, and amongst many other things, they must meet the definition of SAE Level 4 or 5. Therefore, Apple having gained permission to test 55 cars means that they have already tested these vehicles, which means they must already have the necessary equipment and technology such as radar, LiDAR, camera, etc. And it has achieved at least level 4 automation according to the Society of Automotive Engineers, which apparently means no human interaction required. So that that's why that caught my uh, that's why that caught my eye. I'll be honest. Um, what do you think about that, Alistair? Do, do you think that's? Well, I I think it is a a, a huge pointer. Um, for a, for a number of reasons. Number one, they have something that meets that level four definition, which is you know a car that drives itself. I mean, there's no arguing it's an autonomous vehicle at that point. No. Unlike <laughs> Tesla. Well, um, I, which you is... know, I'll be I'll be honest. Um, a lot of people are dissing. Uh, Tesla at this point, but I'll be fair, they have never described their autopilot as a self-driving car, have they? It's be- always been described as driver assist. Yes, yes. To to be fair, they, they have never painted it that way, but it seems like the whole world are painting it that way, and I don't know, could Tesla come out and say, hey, 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 calm it down, that's not what it is. I mean, they make official statements, but they never really seem to me to try and pull back from that narrative that they're no, I, th- I think they I think that uh, Tesla are treading a a careful line between. It's a bit of a PR stunt, isn't it? It's between yeah, it's P- PR versus legal backside covering. Yes, it's between. This is a self-driving car uh, because they never claim that, and they always tell you you should be able to take control of the vehicle, and autopilot is not hundred percent, and blah blah blah. Um. But at the same time, they kind of imply that if you're on a long journey down a, you know, boring 200 mile interstate across, you know, Central America, you could probably put your feet up and. (laughs) That's the thing. There was was a story on the the local um, six o'clock TV news here sometime last year, I think it was, where a reporter got to hop in a Tesla, uh, I think it was a Model S, um, and. At that time, there was very, very few of them in New Zealand. In fact, I'm not sure there's that many here now. And the driver was showing off how he didn't need to keep his hands on the steering wheel. It's like, um, 
no, that's not what they say. <laughs> you, you're, you're completely misrepresenting it. And the reporter was lapping it up. And, and yeah. at that stage, I was following many of the reporters from the, the channel that I watch on Twitter. And I fired off a tweet at her and said, um, surely you should put a disclaimer on there saying that, hey, you know, that's how this guy drives his car. But here's what Tesla states. Yeah, and I even sent a link to it, but you know, not even a, not a dicky bird. Nothing came back. And it was Tesla like, say, oh, wow. "Thou shalt not take thy hands from the steering wheel." Yeah, in effect, and that's that's where I think. I mean, Tesla wouldn't give two tosses about uh, what's going on in New Zealand, but that's where I've, I had not seen in in the press, or maybe that's a problem with the press actually that um, the Tesla were actually going and saying, "Hey, hey, 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 you know, walk it back, walk it back. It's not what you're yeah. painting it to be." But in terms of um, Apple's, or the news about Apple, um, the other thing that struck me with this is the number 55. You don't build 55 prototypes, do you, of anything? I mean, if you're building an airliner, you build four. If you're building prototypes of, oh, I don't know, looks around his room and says a uh, Wi-Fi router or a computer, you wouldn't build 55, um, would you? Yes and no. I get where you're coming from there, Alistair, but I think I read somewhere else that, you know, Uber had ordered some, you know, magnitude or two larger number of test vehicles for test across the US. So, wow. <laughs> like, well, I suppose uh, multi-location, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, they were talking about, um, I mean, Uber, or I, I think it was Uber, or that doesn't matter, but it was a an other company involved in, in, and maybe it was Google, it doesn't matter, but they'd ordered something like 3,000 vehicles to be... Yeah, okay. <laughs> However, I, I think, just, the, I think I just figured that fifty-five cars is is yeah, means that you've got a technology that you can build, not just one that you've sort of cobbled together. Yes, it's not. That's that's not an alpha, is it? Fifty-five no. vehicles is not alpha. It's not wire wrapped on a on a pegboard no, kind of thing. It's, it's, it's not, actually that's, manufactured. That's a, that's a, you know certainly into prototype manufacture. Um, to, to go with this, although I don't have the link. Um, the other one, is, of course, is that Apple have ordered some VW uh, vans to be turned into autonomous shuttle buses for their staff. Oh, I so want those to be 60s-era combi vans with flower no, power I'm afraid not. on the they're side. Bog- they're, they're, you know, they're modern. It would be such a nod to jobs, wouldn't it? I oh, know. They should. <laughs> they so should. You're right. They should so be, you know, V-dub, yeah, flat, flat air-cooled, <laughs> putt-putts, but no. They're, they're modern V-dub uh, minibus type vans. How boring, how boring. But apparently they're going to convert a load of those into uh, autonomous shuttle buses. Now, a load of people, are, I don't have a link for this. I, I, at the time, I didn't think it was something we'd talk about on the show, but a load of people were basically dissing that, going, you know, Apple, oh, you know, where where is your ambition gone from, you know, the first fully autonomous car to we can make some shuttle buses to move um, you know, move some of our workers around the campus. And I'm thinking, no, you don't get it, do you? That's exactly <laughs> the wrong way round. If NASA had said, oh, you know what, Let, let's not bother with the, the Mercury and Gemini, let's just build that Saturn V sucker and fire it off and see what happens. Mm. Which they kind of did, but not with people. <laughs> exactly. And, and I'm just like, no, you, you've 100% got it wrong. If Apple have got 55 allegedly level 4 plus autonomous vehicles uh you know out there on for testing and they are saying they're going to have you know a fleet of at least semi-autonomous shuttle buses now of course the big thing there is people say oh well 
you know, these autonomous vehicles, they can't, they can't cope with all the different driving conditions, all the different weather conditions, blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah, Neither yeah, can right. humans. Yeah, well, the Kitty, you know, <laughs> the Wright Brothers Kitty Hawk couldn't fly the Atlantic, guys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. you got to start. Woke up and smelled a coffee. You have to start somewhere. Um, I'm saying if they are confident enough that they have a vehicle which can, you know, a V-dub bus, which can shuttle around, yes, a fairly limited, it may be a fairly limited area with well-known parameters, you know, and fairly predictable weather. But if you can do that on a regular basis, that's that's a start, you know. Oh, that's how you do software development. You don't just start from the top and... and... Oh, yeah. and create a massive application top to bottom you you, you start building pieces well, and you, you know, test those Adobe pieces Fo- and then you start Adobe testing Photoshop pieces together one. Adobe Photoshop 1 is not the product we have now not quite no. no but you know it was amazing when it started and they built on it and built on it and that is truth that's how it works that's how technology works that's how human history works isn't it you constantly oh yes Everybody stands on the shoulders of the people before them. That I mean, you know, that's that's how life works. That's how civilization progresses, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. Oh well, people are gonna think what people are gonna think. Well, that is true. Okay, let's um. Well, yeah. What do you have to do? No, pick another one then, Alistair, and then I will tell you what we'll we'll take a five minute break and have uh, John give us his hardware store. I believe he's got some Macali product he wants to tell us about, and then we'll come back and um, do a few other stories and then wrap up. I I can't go past this Amazon story. Oh right, no. <laughs> mostly because mostly because of something else I saw on Twitter that that I find rather applicable. You want okay. do you want to give the rundown of the story? Okay, well, the uh, yeah, the basic story is that um, a woman, uh, I can't remember where, but somewhere in America, uh, said that her and her family were having a discussion around the, uh, the dinner table, and somehow um, their echo recorded part of their conversation and sent it to a contact of her husband who then phoned them up and said, turn off your, um, you know, turn off your Amazon Echo. You've been hacked. It's recording your conversation and sending it to me. And the woman apparently said, no, you're, you know, you're having me on. And then the person said, no, you were talking about whether or not you should put a hardware, uh, you know, a hardwood floor in the living room or whatever, at which point she freaked out and went and ripped all the plugs out. Um, now, the link I've got here is from Recode, uh, which is effectively, here is Amazon's explanation for the Alexa eavesdropping scandal. Um, uh, John Gruber has also, you know, waded in on this, sort of. Well, I say waded in, he's made a comment. And, uh, well, you tell me what you think, and then um, I'll tell you what I think. Well, first of all, the, the original story headlines were laughable, and they said, you know, Amazon... Device, echo device records conversation and sends it to random stranger and it's like well not quite not quite it's sent, it sent it to somebody in the contacts list of people that this person knew um now a random person on that list sure um and there was also talk in uh, amazon's explanation that oh some uh, some phrase was heard as the trigger word well hello who's ever had siri trigger on some strange phrase i mean i've heard somebody talking about it on a podcast might even have been this one quite recently that yeah that some was random phrase yeah, yeah. i so, actually i actually had i was playing a podcast out of the speakers of my iphone 
and some randomly, you know, apparently unassociated phrase, phrase set off, uh, you know, hoi hoi telephone. And uh, what was most annoying about that is it doesn't matter how I shout hoi hoi telephone at my <laughs> bloody iPhone, it never responds to me. <laughs> anyway, no, sorry, yeah. carry on. So, yeah, I mean, that's unsurprising that it happens. What I wonder is... I mean, the, the story that this, this lady tells, and she was in Portland, Oregon, by the way, I just had a quick check. Um, you know, oh, we didn't know anything was going on. I, I may be casting aspersions, and I don't know this person, and we have very little information, but there's a chap who sits near me at work who has this class of problem where things sort of blow up and break in ways that nobody else has had. And when you dig into them, it's like, yeah, you missed the warning signs, didn't you? Like the other day, oh, this stupid thing, it, it won't even let me log in. I just, I just, I went off to get a, a glass of water. I come back and I can't log in. I, you know, it's, it's stupid. It's, it, look, and I tried this and I tried that. And somebody with more patience than me tried to help him walk through it. And then eventually he walked over and whispered carefully to me, guess who clicked on the link in that email? <laughs> and we, we'd had a phishing email come through that was, I, I, I won't use the word obvious, but it showed your email address, and it was your email address, using the old company name that we changed from three years ago. Mm, right, yeah. First clue. Uh, the link that it said, click here to reset your password, you hover over that, it gives you a little thing down the bottom. Yeah, not to anything to do with Microsoft, whose services we use, or our company, old or new name. Lots of little things. And, you know, so this lady says, oh, you know, we didn't know it was happening. Amazon says it beeped. Amazon says, I think they said it, it asked for, they didn't say it asked for confirmation, but there was another thing, there was another clue. In uh, the yeah, it did. According to Amazon, they said, you know, uh, right, the, the the echo was in the room. There were a lot of people talking. Um, the echo picked up what it believed was, uh, you know, a trigger word. It uh, then was listening. It then interpreted something somebody said as send a message to uh now according to amazon and you know i'm not gonna i'm gonna be honest here i don't think amazon have got anything to cover up i'll be honest right no uh according to amazon they went through the logs because the woman contacted amazon they checked the logs of her you know her echo and they say the echo detected a trigger word or believed it detected a trigger word it then recorded an instruction of send a message to that the logs say that the echo then said to whom and interpreted something in the ongoing conversation as somebody that it found in the contact list. And we know how successful that can be. Right. It then <laughs> said, are you apparently something along the lines of, are you sure? Or it repeated the name or something and said, right or okay and it, 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 i can't be bothered i've read the article a couple of times but it it then yeah. interpreted something else in the conversation as a confirmation and so you know in a lemony snicket um you know unfortunate string of bizarre consequences uh it apparently had you know interpreted a whole string of random sounds as the correct answer to the next question and gone ahead and sent this recording or or transcript or whatever it was to the person in uh, this woman's husband's contact list. Now, uh, 
some people have said, oh, you know, I don't believe that. Well, actually, I do believe that. I do, I do totally believe that. It, well, we um, know it. It's an interpretation of what we say is terrible at the best of times. Well, my, my problem with that is even if, it's, even if it's good, okay, you've got a load of people talking in a room. Now, the woman said that the thing was actually quite close to her and that the volume was turned up and that she did not spot any of these, you know, uh, re- re- return retorts from um, from Alexa. But, um, but Alexa was just one of many people speaking in the room. She probably wouldn't hear it. Well, to be honest, you know, if you're talking about... Yeah, exactly. If there's, you know, I don't know, let's say... I, mean, I, I didn't... Did she say it was just the family or was there family and friends? I don't know, but... If you've got, I know, in my house, if I'm talking about me, my wife, my three kids, uh, you know, my oldest daughter's boyfriend, and there's a animated discussion going on, I can assure you, even if I had the damn Echo probably sitting next to me, and it was on six or seven out of ten, uh, in a heated discussion, would you really hear it saying, are you sure about that? Well, you wouldn't be focusing on it and expecting it to say anything. So no, you wouldn't. You'd probably not even chance you'd miss it. it. Anyway, uh, my, my um, John Gruber said, although the Amazon explanation seems unlikely, it seems the most reasonable. And my answer is, basically, uh, along with several other commentators have said, I, I don't know how many uh, Alexa slash uh, Echo devices out there. It's quite a lot. Eight billion, eight million, sorry. Not billion, Probably sorry. not eight billion. No, it's not eight billion. Eight million. Eight million or something. I don't know. Quite a lot. Um, We're talking infinite monkey cage here, aren't we? Realistically. Doesn't matter how edge case it is, how corner case it is. You know, you've got, let's, let's, let's just call it eight million. You've got eight million... Echo 10 devices. million in 2017 is a figure I just found. Okay, okay, so we got 10 million yep. Echo devices. Let's let's postulate an average of four persons per, per household talking. <laughs> <laughs> Big right? numbers. Yeah, you know, that's right. And um, voice recognition is not as great as it ought to be. Um, no. We are and, talking and like, like infinite said, monkeys with infinite typewriters bashing out Shakespeare. It's it's effectively, statistically, it's eventually going to happen that a string of unlikely lemony snicket of events will lead to something like this happening. That's yeah. as simple as that, isn't it? I as agree. As I, but, I, I, but, I think that's but, as simple as that. It's just a matter of numbers. But there's my hook, because I saw a uh, post on Twitter, I think it was yesterday or today, and I couldn't find it uh, when we were talking about this in the pre-show, but somebody did a study with a not infinite number of monkeys, but a large number of monkeys, and they gave them keyboards, and I, I think it was for six months, and they were studying to see if they could produce Shakespeare. They didn't produce a single word of English. They broke multiple keyboards, and they defecated on them. <laughs> Or say, or hit them, hit or hit each other over the head with them, more likely. Probably. Well, that's uh, probably how they broke them. Yes, I was going to so, say. Uh, yeah, if you gave them to chimpanzees, they probably either, you know, attempted to roger them or smashed another chimpanzee over the head with it. But uh, you know. But yeah. I, I think it's even it's far more likely than an infinite number of monkeys producing Shakespeare because it's going to try and get meaning out of whatever you say. It's not like. No, 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 I don't know any of those words. It's going to say, well, you're talking to me. You must mean I'll, I'll take my closest match. It's, pa- it's pattern if, recognition. If you talk to Siri, it? it doesn't, if you talk to Siri, it doesn't throw words, or, well, it does throw some words away, annoyingly, usually at the end of a sentence. <laughs> yeah. But it, 
it usually usually the most important pick, one at the end yeah picks up what you say and and yeah it'll sort of adapt but every time you if you speak like this and say your words separately it doesn't throw any of them away it tries to work out what each one of them is and only afterwards goes back and says well i heard you know bob fly past i'm just reading a word out of the notes yeah. um he probably means um boba fett <laughs> or something like that so it'll munge it later on but it listens to and captures words and then it tries to find meaning out of whatever it's got to work with and i'm sure that the echo is is the same that it's not no, going to say oh, I, don't, I don't know anything about what you said no it's going to try and make something out of whatever no, you say nothing none of them know anything this is my big beef along with the grumpy old geeks i'm afraid then you know this is my beef with the endless term AI. Oh, Most of yes. it is not Agreed. Well, none of it at the moment is AI. Okay. I'm not I'm not saying AI is unachievable. I mean and I'm not saying I'm pretty sure we can achieve an AI in very specific areas to do very specific things. But most of it is pattern recognition matched with machine learning. But when you talk to Alexa or Siri or Google, after you've said the wake word, the sound waves recorded by that device are uploaded to their servers where they try and make sense out of it and return a result. It's much like the early days of search engines. We, you know, it's like everything. Well, it's like, you, it's you, like text adventure games. Yeah. You, know, you started off having to say, you know, go north. And then you had the, this amazing advancement of free text adventure games where you could write a sentence. And it would basically look for keywords in the sentence and that the inferred go north. So it's it's a step forward on what we've had, but but as you say, it is still just it's listening and matching words. It's then putting the words together and trying to say, well, where are the verbs and where are the nouns and what's the rubbish and you know, perhaps which nouns are names and if I put these verbs and these nouns and those are the names, then well, I can see a send there. So this is a message and that's the name. So that's probably a recipient. That's, yeah. I mean, it's obviously a lot more complex than that, but that is the basic approach. It's, as you say, it's, 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 it's pattern, pattern recognition. Matching. And don't get me wrong. What is the one thing that the human brain is really, really good at? In fact, it's one thing we're completely and utterly hardwired to do is pattern recognition. That is why two dots and a curve is a smiley face. Even if you turn it upside down or back to front or whatever, it's a smiley face. Because our stupid monkey brain is designed to see faces. This is why people see faces in, you know, clouds and... Toast. Toast and, you know, Jesus in a slice of cheese or whatever it is. Don't get me wrong, some of those things are fantastic. I've seen, I have seen. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I have seen, I have seen pictures of some of those things where somebody's cut open a, you know, a curly bun or whatever. And, oh my God, Yes, that is most certainly a picture of the crucifixion. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't care. Yes, I know it's just my monkey brain interpreting it that way. But, yeah, you know. Um, but pattern recognition is what the human brain does. From the very second you're born, it's pattern recognition is designed to say, two eyes and a mouth, that's a face. And that is also, of course, how we learn language, pattern recognition. So yeah, big time. using pattern recognition as a part of machine learning is a definite step towards AI. But also, you know, what is AI? It's, it's something that's functionally... We can't define it, but we'll know when we get there. Yeah. It's something that's functionally clever enough to have a conversation with a patient and diagnose what's wrong with them by their 
description of their symptoms is that ai or is that just a bunch of pattern recognition and so yeah i would i would say that that ai to me is that you take your uh, pattern matching and machine learning and you teach it how to um, make calendar appointments and then you teach it how to do google duplex and call up and make reservations and ai is when it says huh You've asked me to make a calendar appointment at three a you know, at three p.m. and you've asked me to book a restaurant at four p.m. Should one of those be at a different time, right? Without actually having to teach it, yes, yeah, yeah, the skill to make sure that things line up. You know, teach it how to make calendar appointments, teach it how to make phone calls. But hang on a minute, there's there's something between these two skills that I've learned that there appears to be some kind of relationship. Hey, I'm going to call out that relationship and either act on it or or ask about it. That to me is is jumping domains without being taught how to do so that to me is ai yeah that's a very simple case of ai but you know at the minute i don't believe we have any ai we have some we have some clever automata that can pretend to be ai we have pattern recognition we have machine learning we have deep learning we have neural networks and don't get me wrong i am really a believer that you know i'm hoping before I reach the end of my life, that I might have the opportunity to interact with a genuine AI. That is a general, um, you know, synthetic humanoid intelligence. They don't have to be in a robotic humanoid body. They can be a black box, you know what I mean? But Was it the Turing test as the... Well, yeah, you know, I would that. just like to believe that before I leave this mortal coil, I could, uh, you know, manage that. Lots of people dread it. They think it's the most terrible thing in the world. I, I, you know, I grew up, you know, reading Asimov and Heinlein and and all the rest. Um, I, I, I would really like before I, you know, shuffle off my mortal coil to meet something that I believed could pass as an actual human level, um, intelligent AI. Speaking, speaking of which, series three of Humans has just started. Yes, it has, and I haven't yet watched the first. Um, and that's a brilliant show. I love it. It's a fantastic show. Right How about I, that for a pivot. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, shall we take a short break, uh, Alistair? I think uh, I might need to top up my wine, and you might want a you know new glass of fizzy water or whatever it is at your time in the morning. Um, and we'll go over to John, and he will talk about. Uh, some new McCalli products he's been sent, and uh, we'll be back in about four or five minutes. Our good friends at McCalli, that's M-A-C-A-L-L-Y, have two new products for us to look at this week in Nemo's Hardware Store, Episode 89, Essential Apple Podcast, and all links, prices, and show notes will be provided on our website for this particular show content. The first item is similar to what we've reviewed before, a support magnetique aventus. It's a magnetic car suction mount. We reviewed a similar version previously. This one is even better. I gave the first one to my son-in-law, and I asked him how it worked. And He just wrote back, and he said, In the car, it's the best, but the included magnets will not allow wireless charging. So I've attached it to my case and remove it every night for charging. So just be aware, the magnets that they use to attach the suction mount to your iPhone or your iPad are not suitable for wireless charging, so they will go on the case. 
This is a 12 inch or 30 centimeter magnetic car suction mount. There's three components to it. You've got this long mounting arm with an adjustable head and then you've got a suction base that has a special suction plate and then you have the third component are these different size and shape of magnets that go on the back of your device or on the case attached to your device. You have to look at the website for an explanation. It seems very confusing when you open it up. It's a very good value. The cost in the U.S. is only $30. There's free shipping on all items over $75 at mcalley.com. The product code name is MGRIP MAG XL. That's all continuous letters. M-G-R-I-P-M-A-G-X-L. The 12-inch extra-long magnetic car suction mount for smartphones. It will also work for the iPad mini. I wouldn't do it with the full-size iPad. Anyway, when you go to their website, you will see the pictures and the explanations of how it works in operation. So please check this out. And this is a great way to have hands-free suction of your iPhone in the car with a, such a long arm with incredible stability and very good rigidity. McAlley has really done a beautiful job, very versatile and robust and adjustable product that has great gripping and suction for an exceptionally low price. There's also a written manual in several languages. My favorite sentence in the manual under how to use the M-Grip Mag XL is do not mount, unmount, or adjust the Mac Alley car phone mount while driving your car. Please pull over and come to a stop where it is safe to do so and does not impede traffic. And only then you can mount, unmount, adjust the Mac Alley car phone mount. Very thorough writing and good safety instructions in the description. Second item, also from McAlley, looks like a little tiny cheese grater Mac Pro or G5 Macintosh. You know what I mean if you've seen one. It's hilariously like a pipsqueak, shrinky-dink version. But it is not a computer at all. It's the McAlley MacBook and MacBook Pro charger with magnetic USB-C cable. $70 in the U.S. And I did see a coupon that popped up on the website for $15 off on your first order. So be aware of that and make sure you get that discount. The code name of this is the Charger 61 because that is the power that it puts out. Stylish aluminum silver design to match your 12-inch MacBook and 13 or 15-inch MacBook Pro with USB-C. It's compatible with any USB-C device. A couple of things to be aware of. There is a very long 6-foot USB-C cable, the longest one I've ever received in a review product. So extra well done to McAlley instead of providing these stupid ultra-short cables. But one of the USB-C tips is magnetized and pulls off. At first, I thought I had broken it. No, it's that way on purpose because they make what they call a MagSafe-like magnetic USB-C connector designed to prevent the USB-C port of your Mac from being damaged when the cable is yanked accidentally. This is really, really brilliant. So it's extra long, extra safe, 
extra cute and adorable with the styling. Because its output is a 61 watt quick charge, be aware that when you use it on your 15 inch large size MacBook Pro, it will take quite a bit longer than if you do it on a regular 12 inch MacBook or a 13 inch MacBook Pro. Just be aware the power requirements are much greater on the larger 15 inch MacBook Pro. But again, read the website, look at the pictures, the descriptions, brand new product, and you will see how this MagSafe magnetic, here's, here's the snap sound, one more time. That's the safety feature. This is really brilliant. For $80 US or whatever the equivalent price is in your country, and Mac Alley is a worldwide company, you can certainly have a versatile extra charger. Again, there's a user guide with good descriptions in several languages. So thank you, McAlley, for providing these two new products for our coverage, 12-inch extra-long magnetic car suction mount for smartphones and the MacBook MacBook Pro charger with a magnetic USB-C cable. Back next week. Thank you for that, John. Another excellent hardware store with McCalley products. Uh, right, well, Alistair, we've been going for quite a long time, really. We seem to have um, chewed the fat Go quite on. a bit there, but uh, so I'll tell Go you what, let's not, let's not take ages. Um, you know, we've got quite a lot of stories. You, you, you can pick one out, and we'll, we'll see how we go from there. GDPR, how can we not? Oh, well, yeah, how can we not do that? Um, <laughs> how can we not do GDPR? Yeah, they've only told everybody for about the last three years they're going to do it, and um, I don't know about you, I've been bomb. well, you're not in the EU, obviously, but I've been bombarded in the last week. I've been bombarded as well. With an endless, I've, had, I've been bombarded for a month. With an endless stream of emails saying, we've updated our privacy policy, click here, or, you know... Um, GDPR is coming, and if you want to continue to uh, retain emails from us, you know, click here. Um, I have to admit, there were, uh, you know, there were several which I was like, who the uh, hell are you? And um, where did you get my email address? And uh, you can go straight in the trash can. Yep. Um, There were some who appeared to have got it completely and utterly backwards, which was... Uh, due to the new GDPR uh, regulations, we need to contact you about, you know, uh, if you don't reply to this, uh, we'll assume that you uh, want to continue uh, con receiving mail uh, from us. It's like, uh, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I think you've completely works. misread the rules. I think you've completely backwardly got it, you know. Uh, no, the idea is GDPR says you must ask me to opt in, not the reverse, but there you go. Um... <sighs> It's been coming for how long? We don't know. Um, two two years, I think, was the official. Two years at least. Um, yeah, well, that was two years was the official notice that's saying it's going to happen on the May twenty fifth, twenty eighteen. Yeah, and probably a good year before that. Um, that it was going to happen. Yeah. So yeah, I yes, I've had emails coming in probably for the last well, um, I'll be realistic, probably two months. Things drifting in. Uh, those who were well ahead of the game have probably sent me things quite early on saying GDPR means this, that and the other. Uh, click here to review your, you know, tick boxes and uh, then click opt in. Uh, the last week, it's got to those who are desperate, who suddenly realised, damn, we better ask these people to opt in. 
Um, of course, <laughs> bizarrely, uh, it's also turned out that a lot of people who've been asking people to opt in didn't actually need to do so because the rules say if it's about purely about email marketing, um, all you have to do is say you're on our email list and uh, is that fine? If you already include, if you already include an unsubscribe link, you didn't actually need to uh, cross off everybody who didn't bother to reply. I think that there is requirement that the uh, instructions be foremost, frontmost, obvious that yeah, you know clear. this is how you do it, and not the old buried link that yeah, sends you exactly. through ten. Um, so I've I've had a lot of emails, but. I have to admit, the ones that have come in the last few days have, have got, you know, increasingly desperate. Um, and <laughs> they're a bit like, really? Um, the the biggest fallout seems to have been um, this story, Alistair, which I'm sure is probably the one you're most interested in, which is the GDPR leads some US needs, uh, news sites sorry, to block access from Europe. Uh, this is by CNET, um, and I've I've read similar things elsewhere. Um, it's not it's not like it's big places like LA Times or Chicago Tribune. Yeah. <laughs> Much. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's the New York Daily News, and uh, the, my biggest problem with this is really you have not understood it at all, have you? That's that's the biggest fail in this. Is it's not like. You know, it's not the Great Firewall of China. I'm sorry, saying we we haven't bothered to do diddly squit about GDPR. I think they're just taking a, a um, let's just pull the plug approach. Yes, but it doesn't work, does it? Because well, GD... it's, it's pointless. In fact, it's counterproductive to themselves. Well, because GDPR doesn't say you have to well... deal with X things from people with inside the EU. So what they've done is by they're, they're blocking EU IP. IP addresses, right? That's what they're doing. They're blanking. They're saying you're you're. If you try and go to one of their sites, you'll get a message which says you appear to be accessing this site from the EU and blah blah blah. You know GDPR, uh, blah blah blah. You're, uh, access denied. Effectively, the problem is that's not how it works, is it? That's not what GDPR says. GDPR well, the times. Sorry, the Los Angeles Times one says, unfortunately, our website is currently unavailable in most European countries. Mm. Does, is that tacit admission that they're doing all sorts of scammy tracking data collection stuff behind the scenes and they can't even turn on a web page for them? Uh, European uh, I, think, I think probably very much. Uh, I did read a story. Uh, was it? Um, I, I don't think I've put the link in in the show notes, but there was there was a story which said that USA Today have effectively set up a special page for yeah. which you get redirected to if you have um, an you know EU IP address. Yep, that's where the they have turned off them. all the ads, all the trackers, everything else. <laughs> right, here's just a vanilla bloody. Here is the content. We are directing you to our EU experience. Yeah, where there are no ads, no trackers, no nothing. Yeah. My favourite one though is the the Daily News. Uh, unfortunately, our website is currently unavailable in most European countries. We are engaged on the issue. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. What if taking? Well, you might be now. <laughs> <laughs> it's only taken you three years to notice, really. Um, of course, the no. biggest the biggest joke, Alistair, is that of course the 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 regulations say that EU citizens, wherever they are in the world, are subject yeah. to the GDPR regulations. So actually, just saying everybody within the EU 
is not allowed to look at our site doesn't mean diddly squit. No. Never mind the fact I that I could use that my I could use my Proton VPN to say that I'm in Venezuela or Portland, Oregon or Wellington or you know or anywhere. I could I could appear to be anywhere in the world. Um so that's that's a load of rubbish for a start. And the GDPR says EU citizens, wherever they may be in the world, are entitled to this protection. So uh well, there we go. I, I guess I'm going to skip forward from that before we get too bogged down, Alistair. To Good the, call. Um, yeah, because we could go on about that for ages, <laughs> I know. Um, obviously, Apple, and I'll be fair, it's not mentioned in the show notes, but also Microsoft have both said that effectively, in order to comply with GDPR for the EU, um, the simplest solution is to just say we will apply GDPR regulation worldwide. Well, that shouldn't be a controversial approach. No. Really. Given that all, well, the majority of right-thinking people who know what they're talking about say that GDPR is what it should be. And as your your point that, you know, if you hop on a plane now and head off to Venezuela, you're still protected by them. So there's no easy way of spotting you in Venezuela as a European citizen. Then the easiest, cheapest, best, and quite frankly, most customer-centric approach is just to say, well, this applies everywhere. Yeah. Fine, we may not get penalised if, if Alistair and Wellington... Um, falls foul of this somehow through some hole in our process or, or tools or whatever, then he may not be able to, you know, bring action against us and we may, we may not get penalised. But it's still a good thing to do. And I can't see, unless your business model is such, I can't see that it's a downside in any way. Well, let's let's just put it this way, Alistair. You know, Apple has said the simplest answer for them is to apply the strictest rules that they are subjected to anywhere in the world and apply them to the their whole global operation. It's just the simplest way to do it. What are the strictest rules that apply? We'll just apply them everywhere. Now, we know that Apple, you know, and Uncle Tim are very big on always, you know, pushing for the privacy aspect, so good for them. But you know, all props to them, Microsoft have come out and done exactly the same. They've said the simplest way to deal with this is we say, what are the strictest regulations that we can be subjected to? We will take those and we will apply them worldwide. Well, both of these companies are now massive global services organisations. So Yes, exactly. It really is the only logical approach. It's the only sensible, as opposed to my... Um, as opposed to Facebook, of course, mm-hmm. who, uh, what was it, uh, two weeks before, you know, the due date, said, uh, we have a lot of data in Ireland. Um, We're which, taking it out. Which <laughs> belongs to people who are not EU citizens, so we're going to hoit that so that it's no longer subjected to EU regulation. Um, fine, you know. They, they're entitled to do that. They did not break the law by doing that because they did it before the GDPR came into uh, effect. But what does that say about Facebook? Those of oh, you... It shows their colours. Yeah, I was going to say, what it says is any data we hold in the EU, which is not related to EU citizens, because if they took any information which belongs to EU citizens outside, they've already broken the, broken the rule. But anyway, that's by the by. Um... No, I just think that shows their colours. Microsoft, 
you know, I spent many years as a, an Apple user not being a big Microsoft fan. Um, but I have to say, you know, since Satya, uh, was he? Yeah, Satya. Satya Nadella. No, I can never pronounce it. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Seti Nutella. Um, no, I'm not making fun of him. I'm just uh, mangling his name constantly. Um, no, he, he strikes me as being the right person to have been promoted to CEO. I think a lot of people took the, the mick when he was made CEO. You know, who is this man and why has he been put in charge of Microsoft? I think he has proved himself over and over again to have been the right person. Uh, Microsoft, yeah. has, has, you know, they have bounced back so far from, well, almost the jaws of disaster. You know, uh, I know... I, I... I have, I have mixed feelings about the state of Microsoft. Well, On the one hand, you're absolutely correct that they are far better off than they were. Um, but as a user of their products for work... Uh, yeah, well, their they, stuff's still they, they not necessarily great. Don't get me wrong. They, they haven't really come very far on... on I mean, they, they seem to try innovation without quality. Mm. If that's a, actually, yeah, that's I, know, I, I, know what, I know what you mean. They, they're often... I. I think as an Apple user or, you know, a, a Mac enthusiast, my view of Microsoft is often they take the throw a load of spaghetti at the wall and see what bits stick. There's that, but there's also what I call lazy programming. Where well, it, yeah. There's yeah. just so many cases on a on a almost daily basis where you, I can see little things and I think somebody just didn't care enough to make that work. But, you know, Admittedly, Apple are starting to fall off this horse, but one of the key things about Apple was everything was polished. Mm. You know, and fine, there were underlying bugs and and missing features and stuff like that. But the general polish, like for example, my favourite one in uh, the latest version of Outlook, the email slash calendaring etc. client, there are occasions where you are composing an email and you click to position the cursor, and the tech, the whole text of the email moves. It's it's the tiniest thing. It doesn't matter, but it just jumps out at yeah. me and it says, lazy. You haven't I, figured out where the heck this text goes. I have, and this, this will seem to most people will never know what I'm talking about. I have a particular, uh, quite expensive piece of software, which relates specifically to my job. And um, it's a very good piece of software. It, you know, it, it's absolutely brilliant in many ways. But there is one thing that annoys me constantly. There's a, a piece where you, you say, make this document into a booklet, and it asks you a series of questions. And so there's a dialogue box, and it asks you a question, and you click OK, or, you know, you make a suggestion, what you want, and then you click OK. And there are about five of these in a row, uh, which all of which are essential to do its function. And then the final dialogue box uh, says, you know, here here is a list of your choices. Um, and if you're OK, press OK. And if you're not, press the back button. That dialogue box is like 10 millimetres shorter than the previous five. <laughs> So as you hold your mouse on the screen and you click OK, 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 as you go through the things, you know, checking that the the selections you've made are correct. The last final, are you really 100% sure about this? You have to move your mouse like, you know, five to ten millimetres up the screen. <laughs> and that really just, I, I know, 
It's a brilliant program, right? Don't get me wrong. I love the work the guys have done. It's absolutely essential to the work I do. It's brilliant. But every single time that one <laughs> Just annoys you. thing annoys me. Why could you not make the damn dialogue box the same size with the click button in exactly the same place? Why? <laughs> if you can yeah. do all that incredible coding to do what you do in this incredibly clever piece of software, why could you not make the same, the final dialogue box the same size as all the others? Yeah, and, and a lot of these things are little things that don't really matter. They don't stop you from getting the job done, no, etc. It doesn't but, matter. It's just but that. Alison Sheridan actually had a, a great uh, description. Uh, I'll try and get it as, as close as possible to her original. Windows is fine. It's just it's just the same as using a Mac. And well, uh, I'm getting this wrong. Windows is just like using a Mac, as if but if somebody is prodding you in the ribs every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, something like something that. along those lines. Basically, it's just these tiny little annoyances that are regularly coming. And through. I, I, you know, I'll be fair. I will be fair. You know, for long time Windows users, changing to the Mac is the same. It's like these, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking back about like, you know, Windows 95 or Windows 98 and, you know, the Mac OS at the time were completely different and completely incompatible. These days, you know, you, you can go to Ubuntu, you can go to Windows 10, you can go to, you know, the Mac OS and let's face it, 90% the same. You know, we've developed a zeitgeist about how computers should work. Um, interestingly, actually, earlier today, I was listening to the uh, British Tech Network, uh, um, and Ewan uh, was saying there that you know the the whole the whole kind of Apple you know girl with an iPad, what's a computer? Which a lot of people have poo pooed when he kind of talked to his fourteen year old son and their friends. He realised was actually scary accurate because an awful lot of um, his son's friends have either, you know, smartphones or tablets, but actually no one in their house actually has a laptop or a computer. Yeah, it's not surprising. No, and of course, you know, being someone like me and probably like you, I've got I've got a desktop, I've got a laptop, I've got an iPhone. I don't have a I don't have an iPad. I've I've made it perfectly clear on the show several times. I I don't feel the need for an iPad. It doesn't it's a space I don't feel needs filling for me. My wife has an iPad mini and she uses it a lot and she absolutely loves it, but I don't. I use my phone and like if my phone can't cope, I feel that I need a full-blown laptop experience. Um but yeah, the, the world is just it just it, the world and tech and everything just keeps moving and moving all the time, doesn't it? And we have to hopefully evolving. We have to keep evolving, yeah. Uh, right, okay, where were we? Uh, we've drifted way off. <laughs> way off. Um, all right, well, tell you what, let's pick one. You pick one more story, and, oh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll pick one, because it's, uh, or two stories. I'm going to pick two, and we kind of um, squash them together. Um, NSA surveillance, and what does it mean for email privacy? Now, this comes from the Proton Mail blog, um, and... I don't know if any of you know, but the the story is that effectively the NSA have forced the have forced Yahoo to allow them to have access to their email in and out, and Yahoo have denied it. But 
the comment is that the US uh, uh, effective gag orders would mean that they can't actually do anything but deny it. And the way that they've denied it would kind of indicate that they don't have any other options. So, um, Andy Yen of Proton Mail has kind of pointed out that if the NSA or the US government are um, surveilling Yahoo Mail um, or Google Mail or whatever, and you will not be able to know. Now, as you know, we're big uh, supporters of Proton Mail and Proton VPN on this show. Um, I think they're a fabulous service. We've had Andy Yen on before, and I have to be honest, um, Alistair, as I, as, as I said in the pre-show, um, I think it, it, we're going to have to have him back on, uh, Dr. Andy Yen, to tell us about what he thinks about this, because it is a, it is a big affair. Um, That's huge. It's huge. What it actually well, implies, although, isn't it, is that although, you cannot trust any uh, US-based email company at all. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say who trusts Yahoo anyway at this point. Well, but, yeah, I've, yeah, I've never trusted <clears throat> Yahoo. I have it's a, a Yahoo a, account. An indicator. I have a Yahoo account, and it's only it's only ever been used to sign up to things that I think might be spammy because Yahoo was the biggest spam magnet in the world ever. But um, that's not the point. The the point is, unfortunately, if uh, Yahoo are being forced into this situation, then you cannot guarantee that Apple or Google or anyone else based in America are not also being forced into this situation. Yep, it's a logical conclusion, isn't it? It is. Um, okay, you know, uh, as I, you know, I'm a big, uh, you know, I'm a big supporter of Proton Mail, and um, Andy Yen makes his point here, and of course he's going to promote his own service, and uh, why shouldn't he? I don't have a problem with that. Um, the only thing I will say is yes. Um, I am a heavy Proton Mail user, and after this, I might actually even uh, start shifting. I, I shifted from Gmail to, um, you know, iCloud and ProtonMail. And um, I'm probably at the moment 70% I, you know, uh, iCloud.com and 30% ProtonMail. I think I might turn that on its head. That's the only answer I have to say, really. Uh, the trouble with email, is, as somebody said it the other day online, uh, in terms of email clients, there is no email client that's the best because everything has uh, trade-offs in it. Yes, and I, I've I've had a similar thing. I mean, I've had Gmail for many many years, and I went in on the what was called at the time um, Google Apps for your domain when they had a free tier. So I have Gmail, but on my own domain, and I have set up uh, several other family members with addresses on the same domain. So changing is. Non-trivial, shall we say? Yes, this is the problem. Um, and lots and, of people uh, have said to me, obviously, because I, I've said that I've kind of tried to divorce myself from Google, and then people said, "Well, but y you are still using your Google Mail address." Yes, I am, because I, I might no longer be using my Google Mail address as my main method of uh, communicating with people. But my Google Mail address is also tied to, you know, thousands probably of services that I've signed up to. Yeah. Well, see, having my own domain address means that that particular issue won't be a problem. But no, I but do have to I shift have the problem three, I... four accounts um, to some other email service. And I've tried uh, iCloud Mail for a while. I've tried uh, FastMail, which is um, apparently you know, the nearest thing to Gmail that you can get in terms of speed and power and all that sort of stuff. And it's just, 
as much as I have issues with Gmail um, as a tool, and there are some things that I don't like the way it works, um, and as much as I have issues using many mail clients with Gmail as the back end, the Gmail web experience can't can't touch it in my view. Uh, for for my purposes, it's just it, it's everything that I want need right there in the yep. web interface. So I've I've largely stopped using a mail client on the Mac. Um, I do use um, Spark email, but it's sort of probably 40, 60, 40% I'll use Spark and 60% I'll use just the native Gmail interface. Yeah, on my I phone, I don't like the Gmail app at all, so I do use Spark on No, there, I don't. But... I don't. Um, you know, I stick. Uh, with ProtonMail, obviously, uh, now I'm on the paid thing. I have the, the option to use Bridge, which means I don't have to use their web uh, client. Although, bizarrely, of course, for many years, I used when I used Gmail, I always used the, the browser to access Gmail. Yeah. I, I never was never a big thing for the, you know, oh, I need to... Um, you know, I need to use the Gmail client or whatever. Never, never was. I've had multiple primary email addresses over the years. You know, I picked one years ago that this is the one I'm always going to use. And I've done that like four times since then. <laughs> yeah. um, and But what I try and do, because um, the first thing that I um, decided to do when I did that was to not be reliant on some services, um, you know, like gmail.com for an email address, which is why I got the Google Apps for, for domain. Um so I'm I'm usually in control of the domains enough that I can set up redirects and forwards and stuff like that. And now in my main email account, stuff comes in and it'll get a label on it saying this was sent to this old address. And I can say, aha, and I can go back and find that service if it still matters and, and change the address. And I don't think the last major change that I did, I don't think I've had anything come through in the last six months that has been tagged as going to that, except for Apple. Because I changed my main address from the the Google based one to the new thing I was doing, which was fast mail based. I changed my Apple ID. Having done that, I do not want to change it back. No, <laughs> it was a nightmare. No. Nightmare. Um, it took me I weeks. mean, I I took the uh, when Apple offered you the option to change your um, because I signed up to uh, I signed up to you know uh, an iCloud ID or an Apple ID. Mm, far enough same. ago that originally you could only sign up with a third-party ID. Uh, originally, you had to have a third-party email address to be able to sign up for an Apple account. I know that sounds weird, but okay. that was Very how weird. it that was how it was. Right in those days, you could not get an app an Apple slash iCloud account. Well, it wasn't called iCloud in those days, but you could not get an Apple ID unless you had a third-party email. So my Apple ID was tied to my Gmail address, um, and there was kind of no way of getting out of that until recently when Apple said, we are going to allow people to reassign their um, Apple ID to a different address. So I thought, right, okay, I'm up for that. You know, I'm kind of trying to extricate myself from uh, Gmail uh, or Google, so I'll sign up for that. So I went, and they, you know, the Apple thing is is fairly, as Apple is, it's fairly simplistic. You log in, you you, you do the stuff, and then it says, okay, uh, what, uh, you know, what email address would you like to use as your new um, Apple ID identity? 
And I'll be fair, I said, well, I, I would like to change it to my Apple, you know, my iCloud account address. And it brings up a big warning, big warning saying, if you change your Apple ID to an Apple iCloud address, you can never go back to a third party address. Ooh. So, effectively, right, if I wanted to change it from Google, so a Gmail address, if I wanted to change it to a Yahoo address or a Hotmail address or whatever, right, I could do that as many times as I like, yeah? I can change from one address to another whenever I like. But yeah, but that you... process isn't fun, though. No, it's not. No, no, don't get me wrong, right? Um, But if you change it to an iCloud or .me or, you know, another Apple tied um address that's it yeah that's it finalized you're stuck like you can never go back to changing your um you know your apple id login to a third party address now i was quite happy with that i have no problem with that so i changed my apple id login to my icloud uh, account but even then it took me a week and a half to get every (laughs) single bloody thing on all my (laughs) devices in life and some of them just don't work until you get it right oh no just and un- I, you know I, I mean i did it on my laptop so originally i did it on my laptop and i filled it all in and it was oh, all cool. fine that, that, and then it went on my that, iphone and every other thing i logged into was like you need to bloody log in again and you, oh yeah it was yeah. miserable miserable like 50 apple services on six apple devices and yeah, yeah exactly miserable and every time you go oh i'll just click on itunes just play me a tune you know no you need to log in and you've got to do all this and it's got to be two-factor authenticated and And some of them some of them you actually are forced to log in using the old password and some of them you have forced to log into with the new password yeah oh yeah there's that as well and there yeah you have to log in you you log in and so you enter the password no that's wrong well no it's not it's like no you have to log in as so-and-so at gmail with your old password <laughs> first before it then say you apparently have changed your login you need to oh no it's a nightmare don't do it people unless you absolutely have i'm really glad don't get me wrong i'm really glad that i changed my apple id from a gmail address to a, an icloud address because then i just feel like that that's you know my apple stuff is tied to apple and not yeah, hooked, true. Up, hooked up with anybody else I don't care that my Microsoft account is still linked to my Gmail login. I don't care. Um, oh, I don't know. Here we go. Just... <laughs> Alistair, we seem to have wandered around the houses for a long time. Um, we do. We do. We do. Bloody, look at the time. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about? I don't think there is, is there? I think we've killed everything worth talking about. Or we've filled up the time with a load of rubbish. <laughs> I think we've killed it, buried it, dug it up, and reburied it in some cases, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, the, the links are all in there. Uh, what was the only other one I was going to mention is, even with porn sites offering VPN, should Apple offer a VPN? Um, I, yes. You, you think yes? I used to think yes. I really did used to think yes. If Apple was to chuck a VPN in as a as either a service you could pay for, or even better, as part of the you know the Mac OS or the iOS, I'd be a hundred percent in. But right at the minute, with all these stories about the NSA oh, yeah. surveillance, and um, yeah, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Actually, I think I think the better player for a VPN, in my view, would be my cell provider slash ISP. 
uh, you know, data service provider. Uh, well, yes, again, American ISPs, maybe not, but mine, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would well, trust maybe, them. maybe, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid, you know, even here in the US, in the UK, I'm not sure I'd trust them. I put right at the minute, you know, I pin my colours to the mast, and at the moment, you know, I've paid my money and put my uh, penny in the pot of Proton. Proton Mail and Proton VPN. But, you know, that's... I'm just hoping I've made the right choice. In the end, it all comes down to trust, doesn't it? It does. You can't go anywhere without it. You have to trust that these people are telling you the truth. Right, well, I think that's enough of us, Alistair. So, uh, as we normally do, time to wrap up. Um, Over to you. This is where we ask you to shill yourself, talk about anything you want to promote, and then we'll wind the show up, I guess. Sure thing. Uh, As I said earlier, I'm a serial tinkerer, so there are many things. But I do. I did some years ago figure out that uh, giving out lots of links and whatnot was tedious uh, and a pain for people creating show notes. So I've created a single site that is sort of my landing page, and that is at zkarj.me. Ah. Uh, and you can find me all sorts of places online as zkarj. That's my handle, like you have uh, Serenac. Um, I've got ZKARJ. There's a story behind that, and if you go to that site, you can probably find that story. Would that but be um, Would that be a Radio Ham tag? Uh, you're in the right direction, sort of. It's that, sort of. or it's. Uh, I was going to say it's that, or it's a flight registration. I'm going to. It is, but a flight registration is technically a radio handle, so that's why you are kind of right. Okay. Uh, yeah, so zkarj.me, it's in a bit of flux at the moment with that move that I mentioned earlier, um, but it does still theoretically work, and it should give you links to pretty much everything I've got online. Okay, well, that's that's great. Um, we, of course, are at Essential Apple on the Twitter. I am at Serenac, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A. Okay, you can find our stuff on uh, mymac.com and also, of course, on essentialapple.com. And uh, right now, I think that's uh, that's about all there is to it. So, uh, Alistair, would you like to say goodbye to all the listeners? Goodbye, listeners. It's been great being here. Uh, yeah, uh, goodbye, everybody. And uh, thank you, Alistair. It's been absolutely amazing. We are part of the MyMac.com podcasting network, where you can find such excellent shows as Guy and Gaz on the MyMac show, Tim and David on the Tech Fan show, The Three Geeky Ladies, The Geekiest Show Ever, uh, the excellent Bart Bouchotts with his Let's Talk, the Club Nintendo, and many, many more. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.